0: Hey, yeah, yeah. good morning. Today's daf is daf Mem he. and we'll go from the top, but just uh, to catch up to where we are to, because we we ended off in the middle of the sughia. Um We brought um, they brought a teaching in the name of Rabbi Yehuda Omar Rav, which implied like um, Rabbi, uh, which implied like Rabbi Yehuda that if money was on a bed it remains the bed remains Muktzah the whole of Shabbos. So that's like Rabbi Yehuda, because Rabbi Yehuda holds for the concept that if something is muktzah by moshas, it remains muktzah the whole Shabbos, even if that stops. Whereas Rabbi Shimon does not hold for that principle. Rabbi Shimon would say once it stopped being muktzah, it's not muktzah anymore. Um, then we proved, and we, then we wanted to, we asked a Kashr on that, and we said no. That's uh, the, the Kashr we asked. We said is actually Rabbi Shimon, and therefore our principle stands. And then we went on to say that, so uh, clearly Rav holds like Rabbi Yehuda. And we brought another proof that Rav holds like Rabbi Yehuda. And that proof was from the fact that Rav holds, um, Rav says you can put a lamp on top of a palm tree on Shabbos, but you cannot hang a lamp on a tree on Yomtev. Now what's the difference? So remember, you're not allowed to climb or use a tree on Shabbos or Yom Tov. Um, however, so there, but if you hang a lamp on a tree on Shabbos, you're going to leave it there for the whole of Shabbos. So therefore, it would be fine to hang at the area of Shabbos. But Yom Tov, where the lamp's not Mukta, you might take it off the tree. So you're not allowed to use the tree, so you'd not be allowed to hang it there. So that makes a lot of sense if you hold that once something becomes Mukta B'nai so it remains Mukta the whole time. The whole of Shabbos or Yom Tov. If you hold like Rebbe Shimon, that it starts, that granted it starts off Mutzah, Um granted it starts off Muktzah. once it goes out, it's not Muktzah anymore, well then it doesn't matter whether it's Shabbos or Yom Tov. Um, uh, in the morning, you can come and take the lamp. So you can't use the tree, whether it's Shabbos or Yom Tov. So that we be fitted. Then we went on, and I think let's go from here again. Um, we said we want to just clarify, does Rav really hold like Rabbi Yehuda? And we're going to bring a place where Rav seemed to pasken like Rabbi Shimon. So this is the sixth line, right at the end of the sixth line of Mem Hayamud 45a. So it says, mm-hmm. Does Rav really hold like Rav They asked Rav, so, are you allowed to take in the Chanukah candles after they've gone out on Shabbat? Because of the Chavri. We'll discuss with the Chavri also. And he said, Yeah, you can. So, what do we see? The menorah that you lit outside your house. On the area of Shabbos for Chanukah becomes Mukta. And nevertheless, Rav says when it's gone out, you can take it inside. We see that Rav's pasculating like Rabbi Shimon. Because according to Rabbi Yehuda, it remains Mukta for the whole of Shabbos and Yom Tov. So, oh, well, the follow of Shabbos. So, Omer oh, so Shasad the Gemara answers no. In a pressing situation, it's different. And this is proven by the fact that Rav Kahan and Ravashi said to Rav, Is this really the halacha? Are you allowed to move the menorah after it's gone out? So, you can rely on Rabbi Shimon. B'sha uh, here's a pressing situation. We'll discuss why it's a pressing situation. But therefore, Rav says, Generally, you're right. The halacha must be like Rabbi Shimon. That is not really muksa, something that starts just because it started off. Muktzah, we don't treat it as Muktzah. However, we go strict according to Rabbi Yehuda. And we treat anything that started off Shabbos or Yomtev, Muktzah remains mukta for the whole of Shabbos and Yomtev. However, where there's a Shasad Chak, then we go back to the Ikar Halacha, the primary Halacha like Rabbi Shimon. And allow us, and you would be allowed to use it. What was the Shasad Chak? So, the Gemara says, Mishum Chavri. Rashi gives two possibilities. The Chavri were a group of a group—I don't know if the, the Persians or a group of people who lived amongst the Persians—and they were either, either they had a zera against lighting the Shabbos, the Hanukkah candles, or they had a general rule that you're not allowed to light candles at a certain festival outside of their temple. The only places where you're allowed to light candles, lamps, spires, etc., was in their temples. So they would come and harm people who didn't keep that halacha. So the Jews wanted to. Light their Hanukkah candles, and then before the patrols of these chavrim came, bring it back inside. So that's the danger. And um, interestingly enough, um, the Gemara in Hanukkah comes along, and I don't know if you remember, it was uh, about twenty days ago. Um, said that if it's dangerous, you can light inside your house. So what were the Jews lighting outside? So one possibility is maybe the Jews knew when it was safe, when the patrols were coming by, or whatever, and when it, and they were prepared to take the chance. Maybe it wasn't life-threatening. The, they would just get a fine. So they felt it was a worthwhile risk. But once the candles were out, then they wanted to bring it inside. Tos was very interestingly bring, and this touches on another um, fascinating topic, obviously won't be able to exhaust it, but Tos was the re wants to suggest that maybe, even if it's just a Shasa sacona. We know generally when you have to give up your life, so that's only for the three primary myths, uh, three cardinal avayras, for murder, adul- adultery, incest, and uh, gilu um, and avodazora. Those are the three avayras that you have to give your life for. However, there's a, one of the exceptions is if the government, the rulers, make a xera against Jews doing a specific mitzvah, or even against the Jewish minag, again not for them for their personal benefit, but just to go against the Jews, then you have to endanger your life and do it. So Tosfos want to say maybe that's what's happening here. Um, this was a that these this uh, group of people made against the Jews lighting Hanukkah candles. Well, then even Jews have to put their lives in danger to fulfill that mitzvah. Okay, well, more to discuss on that point, but let's go on. If you have grain that you just put into the ground, obviously it hasn't taken root, because if it's taken root, it's the isut or of harvesting to take it out. But as you just put into the ground, so you, or an egg that's under a chicken, what would be the loch? You take the egg and you put it under the chicken so that it hatches. It says, Maybe this, that Rabbi Shimon says, things are not mukza is where you don't actively push them away. But here, where you actively push it away, there is now? Maybe it makes no difference. I, this egg theoretically is actually fit to be used on, let's say, Yom Tev. Or we saw even on Shabbos there are certain ways you might be able to cook the egg by putting it uh, in the sun, etc. But let's just say Yom Tev, you can use that egg. Or the wheat in the ground, the grain that you put in the ground, is actually grain that you could use on Yom Tov or eat on Shabbos. So there we've got the question... Do we say by the fact that he put it in the ground or he put it under the chicken? He's made it mukta for himself. He said, I'm not going to use that grain and that egg. And therefore, even Rabbi Shimon would hold it remains mukta. Again, remember, Rabbi Shimon holds just because you generally won't use something doesn't make it mukta. But here, it's more than just you generally won't use it. You actually put it in the ground, which kind of says you kind of showing and saying, I don't want to use it over Shabbos. I want it to grow. But at the end of the day, it is still fit to be used on Shabbat. So what would Rebbe Shimon hold there? So Amalei ain Muktzah le Rebbe Shimon, el HaShem and Shabenei Shehu He says, no, nah, there's only one type of muktsa according to Rebbe Shimon. And that is the oil in the candle while it's alight. Oil, why? V'huktsa le Mitzvah, so Muktzah Isura. It is Muktzah, set as the oil set aside for the Mitzvah and it is Asur. Sounds like um, the, the easiest way to learn this piece is Rabbi Otman saying, no, you need two, cr- according to Rabbi Shimon, you need two criteria for it to be muqtza. One is, huqtza mitzvah, set aside for the mitzvah. Remember when you light this lamp on Erev Shavas now all that oil is set aside for the mitzvah. So any oil that drips out or left in the lamp, uh, drips out while it's alight, is still set aside for the mitzvah. And a second, huqtza surah, it's to take it it's set aside and also so because of those two factors so the moral velay slay huksele mitzvasa, you're telling me Rabbi Shimon does not hold for huksele mitzvah when it's the only factor I w- I'm going to show you now that the morath says that even where something is just set aside for a mit- for a mitzvah just set aside for a mitzvah Rabbi Shimon holds its Muktzah. obviously as long as the mitzvah is in place um, And uh, therefore, it doesn't make sense for Rabbi Yochanan to come along and say the only time Rabbi Shimon holds his muqsa is when there's, firstly, it's set aside for a mitzvah, and secondly, you need both criteria of set aside for the mitzvah and huqsa li So he says, and he says, I'll show you where Rabbi Shimon holds it. He says, we learned in the You put on s'chach La Halocha and I got a kosher sukkah, and you decorate it with colored and embroidered blankets, uh, cloth. cloths. You hung uh, peaches and nuts and almonds and pomegranates and clusters of grapes and wreaths of uh, barley, jars of wine, oil and flour. So these are all sukkah decorations. You hung all these sukkah decorations. You're not allowed to take them until the end of sukkahs. But obviously, if you made a condition, your condition stands. So what do we see? This Brisa says that anything you set aside for your sukkah, you hang a picture on your sukkah wall, you hang some fruit as decoration in your sukkah, it becomes muqtza for the whole of sukkahs. Look, unless you made a condition, when you were hanging up, you said, I'm hanging these peaches up until kolamoid when I want to eat them, until second day yomtov when we're going to serve them as dessert. Obviously, your tanah works, but standard, if you hung things in your sukkah, it's hukza, it's mukza for the mitzvah of the sukkah. It says Rabbi hi. Who says it's Rabbi Shimon? Again, we know it could just be Rabbi Yehudu, who holds anything that you unlikely to use becomes mukza. So who says it's Rabbi Shimon? The Tani Rabbi Chia Bar Yosef came and Rabbi because Rabbi Chia Yosef and, came and taught before Rabbi Yochanan. Now the next case is based on the following discussion. If someone had a hut, again not a sukkah's hut, it calls it a sukkah, but any hut, he wants to sit in a garden a patio that's got walls and a and a roof. Even on Pesach and Shavuos, he's not allowed to take wood from the walls of the hut because that's soiser, that's demolishing. That's one of the 39 hamveloches. You're not allowed to demolish, um, so you're not allowed to take walls. But if there's adjacent wood that's not really serving a purpose but it's connected to the sukkah, he can take that wood. If the hut collapses on Yom Tev, can one use, if the hut collapses, can one use the wood of the walls? Now basically we're gonna learn that if, it's, if it was a rickety hut, that he expected to fall. He knew this hat, uh, the wind's been strong the last few days, and this hat I have in my garden is quite rickety. If the, and it, it enters his mind that there's a possibility that it falls. So that's what we're going on. So that's somoslo. You're not allowed to take wood from the sukkah on Yom Tov, from this hut on Yom Tov, except from the wood that's adjacent to it. Rebbe Shimon Matur, and Rebbe Shimon allows you to take it. And we said it must be when the hut collapses, because if it's while the hut is still built, well then it's so he said, And they both agree that the sukkah on sukkahs, is also awesome. then it would all be dependent on the t- on its um conditions. What do we see here? Rabbi Shimon holds in general the hut that collapses, you can get wood from, but the sukkah over sukkahs is muksov for the mitzvah, even if the sukkah collapses, and even if he thought it might collapse, he on the news it says there were hurricanes coming through, so he knew it might collapse. He's still the wood on it is. Mutzah, even according to Rebbe Shimon. So we see clearly that Rebbe Shimon agrees to this concept that something is set aside for the mitzvah is Mutzah. And you don't need the added factor of it's osur because it was for a candle. So the Gemara answers, yeah, you're right. When Rabbi, Rabbi Yochanan phrased it as Hukzah Mitzvah and Hukzah isura," he meant K'ain shemen shem bener What Rabbi Yochanan was says what I was saying was like the oil in the candle. Hovuh Hukzah Mitzvah so Hukzah Once it is Mutzah for its Mitzvah, it is Mutzah for the isur. I, while it's a lot, while it's set aside for the Mitzvah, it's viewed as Mutzah. And it my name, Rabbi, Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan said in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, basically the exact same thing Rebbe Chivar the name of Rebbe Yochanan Rebbe Shimon does not hold something's mukzah except for things similar to candles while they're light since they're muqsa for the mitzvah since all the oil was set aside for that candle you expected the candle to burn up all the oil it's le-isura. it's as if it's also." You know, so it comes out that according to Rebbe Shimon, how we've just learned, Rebbe Shimon holds for, again, as we said, remember we have this broad machlokas, Rebbe Yehuda holds there is mukta and Rebbe Shimon holds there is not mukta. Obviously everyone agrees there are certain types of mukta, but where does that fit in? So we just, show, we just saw another one, and that is anything that is set aside for a mitzvah, Rebbe Shimon agrees with that type of mukta. However, if it's, and therefore something like a candle, oil that drips, obviously you're not allowed to take oil from the candle while it's alight. But even oil that drips from the candle, while the candle is still burning, that oil is viewed as hukzah mitzvah, set aside for the mitzvah and it would remain mukzah. And only once you um, take the, only once the candle is out and there's no more mitzvah, then the oil that's in the bowl under the candle would be mutar. it would not be mukzah anymore. Um, yeah, and what would you say regarding the? Remember, we started off this as a question as the grain in the ground. So it's not muksa because it's not set aside for a mitzvah. The only reason we're suggesting it's mukta is because he put it in the ground. Maybe he's saying, "I'm not going to use it for shabbat." He Friday afternoon he puts this grain in the ground with intent for it to grow, he's kind of saying, I don't want it to grow anymore. That's not enough. That doesn't fall under, under a category of muktzah according to Rebbe Shimon, because at the end of the day, it's fit to be used on Shabbos. Okay. The only type of muktzah according to Rebbe Shimon is grogros and simukim. It seems regarding food, drying out food. What's grogros or dried figs and simukim is what we would call raisins. But basically what they used... huh? Simukim or raisins, so drying grapes. So obviously, they start off as grapes and then they become raisins. Basically, what's different about Grogris and Simukim is, obviously, they start off edible, figs and, and uh, grapes. But they would then, t- sometimes they'd want to dry them out, so they'd take them up onto the roof to dry out. As soon as they start drying out, they become inedible. That's an important point. What actually actually says, two points, um, they become... Uh, Where was it? Um, they become inedible. Um, I thought he said another factor. Okay, but let's just go. He did say two, I can't find it. But the main point is they become inedible. Therefore, on if they're inedible on Erev Shabbos, they're totally out of his mind. And therefore, he totally does not expect to use it. To get benefit from it. And therefore, it's mukta, even according to Rabbi Shimon. You're telling me there's nothing else that is mukta, according to Rabbi Shimon. I'll show you from the following price. So that there are other things that are mukta. If someone was eating figs and he decided the leftovers he put on the roof to dry out but a new lagag or he was eating grapes and he took the leftover and put them on the on the roof him to make raisins loyal khal achi he's not allowed to eat from them unless he designates them i he designates them that those figs and dates that he put on the roof he will eat veimat vekhinato ayme ba far skin vekhavushinu ve and so too we say with uh peaches and quinces and all other produce. I we see that anything that you put on the roof becomes muksa, not just grapes and figs. So Mani, who's the author? Elay M Rebihura Ma Hechit Lloyd Dokhiaba He's like Muksa Rebuta holds you don't even have to actively put something aside, you just have to it just has to be something that you're unlikely to use and it becomes muzzah. Hechete dochya bayo daim something that you actively consciously push put aside you put these things on the roof, you're putting them aside, you're not going to touch them until they properly draw, obviously it's mukta. So this would not be Rebbe Yehuda, because Rebbe Yehuda would never discuss, even if it's something that you're likely to, uh, something that you're unlikely to use on Shabbos, becomes mukta. Never mind something that you put on a roof, I consciously deciding. That you're not going to use it on Shabbos. It's definitely Mukta. So, El Shimon, he. So, this must be Rabbi Shimon. Again, this price that says you were eating uh, some figs or dates or peaches or any, any fruit and you decided to put it on the roof, it becomes Mukta. So, what do we see? It's by other fruit as well. We started off this teaching that saying, Rebbe Ochanan, Um. so who was it? Um, so, they said in the name of, of Shmuel that only. Grapes and uh, your raisins and dried figs become muktzah, but nothing else. So, so, and now we see other things. So, this is no No, it's Rebbe Yehuda and we have to. Um, it's necessary to teach regarding food. You might have thought that since he's eating from it, he doesn't need as He doesn't have to set it aside to be used on Shabbos. Once he took them up onto the roof, he removed his dust from it and he doesn't expect to eat it. Um, So, yeah, very interesting. According to Rabbi Shimon, the only foods that become osur are, as we said, when you put them on the roof, are grapes and figs. And the reason being is they become inedible. As they start to dry, they become inedible until they're dried. And because of that, they, they become mukta All other fruit, remain granted, you're not likely to eat it. It remains slightly edible, and therefore it would not be Yeah. Um, so what we, we've just established that, Rabbi, Shimon holds that even if you set something aside, how you put it somewhere because you don't plan on using it, if it is actually fit to be used on Yom Tov, or on Shabbos, it is not Mutzah. Now the Gemara asks, what if it's not fit to be used on Shabbos or Yom Tov, but it wasn't actively set aside? So he basically said, according to, yeah, according to Rabbi Shimon, you need two factors. You need to set, um, well, where are we holding there? Two factors under discussion. It's, it's, is it set aside? And it must be un, uh, totally not fit, inedible. Comes along, We now, and that's what we've just discussed, is something that is unfit, and set aside. So, what happens if it was just unfit? So, Shimon, mm-hmm. by Rabbi mi Shimon asked his father, Rabbi. Just will come back to why it's important to know. He asked his father, Rabbi. Says, "Petzile tamarele Rabbi Shimon mahu, unripe dates. According to Rabbi Shimon, what's the halacha? Can you eat them before they before they rip?" Or not? Does he hold they're similar to grapes, which are properly mukta, or not? So Rabbi Shimon holds no, only, only um, figs and grapes are mukta, according to Rabbi Shimon, again, which are set aside. Because they're actually actively set aside. He puts them on the roof and they become inedible. Oh, those are yeah, those are the two factors according to Rashi. Um they become inedible and they're set aside. Um, and these unripe dates were never actually set aside. They're not um, um they just aren't edible. But since they're not actively set aside, they're not termed uh, mubta Yeah, sorry. I should have said Petzilei tamara." Rashi explains, are certain grapes that they, would, they wouldn't really ripen. So they'd pick, pick them and put them in these uh, vine wrappings, in these special baskets that they would ripen wrap, wrap them by themselves. So when they put them in the baskets, he's not putting them aside that he's not going to eat from them. He's just putting them there to wait for them to ripen. So they're not put aside I, out of his mind and use on Shabbos. They're just stored there. They just And the only issue with them is that they're not really fit to be eaten. So comes along Rebbe and says, even in that case, Rebbe Shimon would say they're not mutza. So we see again, you need both factors. Of they have to be set aside. I like put on the roof. I don't want to eat those grapes or figs anymore. I want them to dry out. And inedible. And they become inedible. So the Gemara asked for the Now he now said, remember I pointed out that who asked this, this uh, question? Rebbe Shimon asked his father Rebbe, uh, Rebbe Shimon, the son of Rebbe, asked his father Rebbe, what's the halacha according to Rebbe Shimon ben Yochai? That's the Rebbe Shimon we've been discussing in the context of Mutza. But now by the fact that he asked his father what's the halacha according to Rebbe Shimon, seems like his father holds like Rebbe Shimon. I wouldn't come and ask you, what's the halacha according to the Machaber?" when I follow the Ramor? So by the fact that he's asking, him "What's the lacha according to Rabbi Shimon?" It seems like Rabbi holds like Rabbi Shimon. The Rabbi lays like Muktzah Rabbi not hold for Muktzah. we learned in a Mishnah: Mashkin Avam Mashkin You're not allowed to give water or water down or shear these midbarios Are more like wild animals, but we'll see like semi-domestic animals. Um, on yomtev But you can for the biters, the domesticated ones, the ones that live by the house. Now, basically what we're saying again, animals that you never expected to have on Yom Tov, on Mutzah, and you would not be allowed to shecht them or give them water, etc. on Yom Tov. But if it's a lamb, a sheep or something that you had in your, or cow you had in your back garden that you expected to want on Yom Tov, well then it's on Mutzah and you could shekht it and eat it on Yom Tov so this is the difference between midbarios are ones that we don't expect to get on Yom and therefore they muktzah, and bai, uh, Baitus ones, Beitus ones house more domesticated ones you do expect. V'tanya elay midbarios, what are midbarios? Kol They put them out to graze by Pesach time, and they only bring them out towards Sukkot time. Kol any animal that grazes outside the city but is always brought back every night, that in the into the within the trum, that's considered a bite by, uh, baitus ones. says Elu Elu No, the ones we've just mentioned are both considered domesticated and you would be allowed to use them on Yomti. What are the midborios? These ones that are mutzeh? Rebbe holds that no midborios are ones that you put out to pasture and you never you basically never ever bring them home. I guess until you actually specifically want a thing. So there, these animals are mutza. Because they are far away. And it is a lot of bother to go get them. And you are not likely to use them. And therefore they remain on But Rebbe agrees that they are these midborios. The argument between Rebbe and the Tanakama. Is just what is the definition of which ones are midborios that are muktsa. But Rebbe agrees that these animals are. That these midborios are muktsa. Now what do we see? We see that Rebbe holds for Mukzah. According to Rebbe Shimon. An animal that is Fit to be shechter on Yom Tov, even if you were unlikely to use it on Yom Tov, is not Mukta We know that's what Rabbi Shimon holds, but according to Rabbi Yehuda, it would be Mukta and we see here Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi, Rabbi saying it's Mukta So how could his, how could the son ask Rabbi? What's contra Shimon where, when Rebbe clearly holds that there is such a thing as mukta? As we do hold for this definition of, of mukta. He says, No, you could say that one answer is that no. These animals, these Midborios, are more similar to um dried figs and, and raisins. Why? By sending them out of town. You send them far away to pasture and you never ever bring them back. And it's a huge mission to go out and fetch them and bring them back. It's as good as putting these drapes on the roof that you're never going to touch until they're completely ripe. So that would be the one way of looking at it. Um, so that's the first answer. The second answer, It could be Rebbe saying, you're right, according to Rebbe Shimon, what would be the halacha regarding... Um, these patsile tomorrow, these, uh, these unwrapped uh, dates. Okay, that's what, that's what Rebbe Shimon would hold, but it's not our hold. Maybe he was speaking to the rabbis. Oh, this is going on the last one. Maybe Rebbe holds like Rebbe Shimon. But then he comes along and he says, claw. I don't hold for mutzah at all. Le didchu, but you who do hold for mutzah, I really mean as to how the yotzah is bepetzah when it's raised by a vet to to buy to us nino. The rabbanan omrul loy midbarus, omrulay loy midbarus nino. Rabbi was saying to the Rabonan, you who hold that these midbarus animals on mutzah, you should agree that it's only ones that are never brought home, but ones that are brought home every. Um, during the rainy season should be considered n- or, or should not be considered Muksa and the rabbis say no even those are Muksa so again we have three answers addressing this first answer is that again Rebbe's son asked Rebbe a question in line with the opinion of Rebbe Shimon so it seems that Rebbe holds like Rebbe Shimon but in another teaching we have Rebbe Rebbe seems to agree with the principle of Rebbe Yehuda, that there is mukta. So he gave three months firstly, maybe his son was asking him, theoretically, according to Rebbe Shimon, what would be the halacha, And Rebbe was saying, this is what Rebbe Shimon would hold, but obviously it's not what I hold. He could say the other way around. Maybe that is how he holds like Rebbe Shimon. And when he was discussing the other piece, it was just in light of Rebbe, um, Rebbe, he's saying, look, I hold that all things are Mukta. Sorry, I hold like Rabbi Shimon that nothing's mukta. But according to you, hold it's mukta. Agree to me on the definition of midborios. Maybe that's what he's on. Or the third possibility we gave was that, um, that no, Rabbi holds like Rabbi Shimon, but he holds that these animals, these Midboreos, even Rabbi Shimon would agree on mukta. Okay. Um, okay, we're now going to try to determine how Rabbi Yochanan paskins. So i Rabba Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan, said in the name of Rabbi Yochanan. Omru, they said in the Yeshiva, Halacha ka Rabbi Shimon, the Halacha is like Rabbi Shimon. But miyama Rabbi Yochanan, hachi, does Rabbi Yochanan really say this? Does Rabbi Yochanan really say that we paska like Rabbi Shimon? Vahabai minei hahu sabakuriya vahomri leh seruya me Rabbi Yochanan. There was a case where a sabba from Kuri or Surya asked be a shabbos. Ch- a small chicken coop. What's the halacha? Can you move it on shabbos? Ah, is the chicken coop muktsa or not? So Obviously it's mukta, It's made for chickens. And something, remember we learned, uh, well, we learned earlier that money on a bed or a bed made for money... A bed bed made for money is mukta Um, yeah. So so too, this chicken coop made for chickens is mukta because what well, was a mukta All live animals are mukta I'll come back to that point in a few in a few moments. But yeah, all all live animals. So the Gemara says not necessarily. So we've got this contradiction. What does Rabbi Yochanan hold? Does Rabbi Yochanan hold that something that is that does Rabbi Yotan like Rabbi Shimon that things are not mukta unless they totally put aside that you would never use them on Shabbos you can't use them on Shabbos or or does he hold like Rabbi Yehuda that they are Muktzah from the second point where he paskens by the chickens that the chicken coop that's portable? If he seems to say that it is Muktzah, so the Gemara says no. What, you know, what we're going to try to do now is establish that this is a special case that the chicken coop is Muktzah. I generally Rabbi Yeuchan and paskens like Rabbi Shimon that is not Muktzah, but this is a special scenario that it is Muktzah. What he says is, he says, no, what we're discussing here is that there's a young chick that's died in it. So the ephrach is mutza because it's not fit for anything. Now, interesting enough, dead animals theoretically are fit for something, for animal food. But when you had this live chick running around, it was never possible and never in the owner's mind that it would be animal food. He wanted to raise it to be a chicken. So it was never going to be animal food. So even though it died on Shabbos Yom it's still not viewed as for animal food. It, it's still Mukta. So that's why it's Mukta. So he says, we're now going to show that this doesn't fit in with everyone's understanding of Rebbe Shimon. Again, what we're suggesting is that Rebbe Oglan agrees with Rebbe Shimon, but in the case of the chicken coop, Rebbe Shimon would agree it's Mukta. He says, Yo, this, we, we're going to say that this is all very well. There's another Machlok how do you view animals? Animals that die on Yom-tif. Obviously, if it's a sickly animal, the one opinion holds, if it's a sickly animal that you can't have expected, it might die over Shabbos, okay, it's not mutza because as soon as it dies, you can feed it to your other animals, your dogs, etc. But, according to the other opinion, no, even healthy animals, they never mutza because it's not impossible, it's not impossible that they become fit on Shabbos or Yom Tov, and only if you actively put something aside would it become mukta like uh, like we saw by the figs etc it has to be totally put aside whereas a live animal even if it's healthy running around the owner's never done anything to make it set aside from being used on shabbos so therefore if it dies on shabbos it would still be much again that's the one side the other side is that no a, a healthy animal is totally out of the owner's mind more similar to a uh, Remember, we learned a lamp that's filled with oil, a large bowl that's filled with oil, that's most likely going to burn the whole Shabbos. Even there, Rabbi Shimon holds its mutza. So which one do we say? It says, l-amar, l-amar This fits in very well with Mar Bar in the name of Rova, who says that Rabbi Shimon agrees live animals that die are also. Again, why is this? Why are they mutza? Because on erev Shabbos they were totally out of his mind from using on Shabbos. He had this live lamb running around. He never expected to use it as animal food. It was healthy, and therefore, sorry, okay. Um, it would be this. Uh, it's it's the same, like I said, as a large bowl filled with oil that he's burning on erev Shabbos. He expects it to burn the whole way through Shabbos. Rabbi Shimon agrees since it's totally totally, very, very, very unlikely that it will be a, available on Shabbos, it's Mutzah. This version of Rab Mar Braid, uh, Rav Yosef, in the name of Rav, says that Rabbi Shimon argues that even live animals that died are mutar. And the reason he says is because, again, as I said, because they weren't actively set aside from being used on Shabbos and Yom Tov. My um, ikale what would you say? Again, we said we brought a contradiction. Rabbi Yochanan said that the halacha is like Rabbi Shimon, which would imply that there's no mutza. Then Rabbi Yochanan came and told this old, uh, this elder that this chicken coop is mutza. So how could he say that? So he suggested, no, it's because there's a dead chicken in it. He said that doesn't fit. There's an opinion that holds Rabbi Shimon would hold the dead chicken does not make the because the dead chick is not Mukta. This is not. Sorry. This yeah, is not. Hachabamaz but it is. So now we're discussing where there's an egg. And the egg is Mukta because of Neulad. Remember, anything that comes into existence, new existence on Shabbos or Yom Tev, is what's called Neulad. And it's Mukta. Says, says, oh, all my. What about the fringe opinion, Ram Nachman? mukta islay mukta That even Rabbi Shimon doesn't agree to that there's noilad. I again, even if there's an egg in this chicken coop, according to Rabbi Shimon, according to Ram Nachman, it should have been mukta. So we still say, so kiyas, asa Rabbi Yitzchak. Yeah. So the above was all an effort to show that Rabbi Yochanan really Paskins like Rabbi Shimon and there's a special reason why this chicken coop is muktsi. Right, in a general status, a portable chicken coop is not muktsi if all the chickens have run out of it. But um, that's what we tried to show that, but we couldn't really show why Rabbi Yochanan, if he paskins like Rabbi Shimon, would hold its mukzah. So he says, So there's kiasa Rabbi Yitzchak, bar Yosefam, Rabbi Yochanan al Rabbi so we have another tradition that reviews Yosef yosef's in the name of Rabbi that Taloch is like Rabbi but Rabbi Yeshua Levi Amar Halacha k'Rabbi Shimon, and Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi says Halacha is like Rabbi Shimon. Now Amar Rabbi Yosef Haynu do Amar Rabbi Baruchana Amar Rabbi Yochanan Omru Halacha k'Rabbi Shimon Omru velaylo svirle, and Rabbi Barbar Rabbi Yosef says, Oh, now I understand the line we started with. The line we started with that triggered the whole confusion is we said Rabbi Yochanan came along and said that in the base midrash they said Halacha the is like Rabbi Shimon, and then we came and we brought a teaching of Rabbi Yochanan that seemed to say that Halacha is like Rabbi Yehuda. What did it mean when Rabbi Yochanan said in the Yeshiva they said, that Loch is like Rabbi Yochanan? Is Rabbi Yochanan saying, Yo, what we were discussing is they all came out that thy Loch is like Rabbi Shimon, but I hold, Omru they said that it's like Rabbi Shimon, but I hold it's like Rabbi Yehuda. Omru Le Rabbi Yosef, Atlo Tisboro, and Rabbi Yehuda. Why? Why did you never think? Why did you not think until you had this extra teaching? Why did you not think that Rabbi Yochanan held like Rabbi Yehuda? Or Abba and Rabbi Asi? both went to Rabbi Abba of Haifa. al de And a menorah, uh, menorah, a, a, a candelabra fell on the coat of Rabbi Asi and he wouldn't move it. We see clearly that the lamp is viewed as muqtza. This is my time. Why would Rabbi Asi not move the lamp off his coat and take it? Must be because Rabbi Asi is a student of Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan holds like Rabbi Yochanan that there is muqtza. Again, remember, according to, if you light a lamp, a candle on Erev Shabbos, and then the candle goes out, we have a whole menorah light. According to Rabbi Shimon, once it's gone out, it's not mukza anymore. So this lamp that fell onto his coat, he could have moved. According to Rabbi Shimon, sorry, that's according to Rabbi Shimon. According to Rebbe Yehuda, once it's mukza on Beinash it's mukza for the whole Shabbos, and that makes sense why he couldn't use it. And it must be because he's holding like his Rebbe, Rabbi, Rabbi Yochanan, who follows Rebbe Yehuda, and therefore that's why he could not get his jacket, because this menorah fell on it. Look, to be uh, um, completely um straight there are possibly remember he might be able to do tilt in outside, etc to get the coat but he wouldn't be able to pick the menorah off and move it to get his jacket that it fell onto now so so, so that's again so so the question here was Rabbi yoisef why did you not think that rabbi, from this story you should have known that rabbi yoichan and paskin like rabbi Yehuda. Why did you not think from the story that Rabbi Yogan says, "Amalei menorah come out. Menorah is a shiny. says, you bring in a proof from a menorah. A menorah is different. I granted a lamp that is a light. Rabbi Shimon holds, it's not Muktzah, A menorah, even one that was not a light, is different and it's Muktzah, as we'll see. Um... Yeah, we'll see. Um, we'll see. We'll see the reason now. But a menorah, granted, a regular lamp, Rabbi Shimon holds, if it goes out, it is not muktah, once it's out. But a menorah is different, as we'll see, and therefore a menorah, even according to Rabbi Shimon, is muktzah. He says, why <laughs> Mutalataltala, a menorah that was that can be carried in one hand, you can move on Shabbos. It's not mukta. If it's a menorah that's so big you have to use two hands to move it, that's also to move on Shabbos. Rabbi Yochanan Amar Anu And Rabbi Yochanan says, no, we only. Um, no, we only know that a lamp is where Rebbe Shimon says it's mutar. But a menorah, whether it can be held in one hand or whether in two ha- or whether it's so big you can only hold it in two hands, it's always mutza. All right, so we see we see that there's a machlokas, but basically a menorah, even according to Rebbe Yochanan, even in Rebbe Shimon, is mutza. We haven't said the reason yet, but we've seen very clearly. That with this, that Rabbi Shimon says, if it goes out, it's now mutter to move on Shabbos. That was a lamp, a single candle. But a whole candelabra would remain osu. The time am I, what's the reason? So Rabbi Rabbi Yosef says, a person sets aside a place for it these lamps they're big so they're not usually moved around so there's a special place on the wall or a special place on the table that you leave it there and you don't move it and that makes us kovela lomokom makes a mukza. so Zomal is going to come along and say no things that are just because something you don't usually move around it has a set place in the house that doesn't make a mukza. he says well kilas chasanim, to uh, kilas chasanim, it's a type of canopy over the bed basically a tent like canopy over the bed I don't want to get into the discussion but there's problems it's a discussion later on in the Mesech and in Eruvin got to do with binyan on Shabbos or oil what's called the temporary tent but he says but basically they said it's this Kilas has a set place on the bed for you can spread it out and you can dismantle it on Shabbos we see that just because something has a set place it doesn't make it Muqtza why is a, a candelabra Muktzah on Shabbos Bishel we're talking about a candelabra that's made up of different parts. Now, therefore, if you're carrying it, you might drop it or you might knock it, and one of the parts will come apart and you'll have to refix it together. And that's Mataken that's Mone, that's Makhevapatesh, who's one of the 13 Amelokhas, fixing something. Oh, well, then why does Rebbe Shimon allow you to use the menorah that? You can be carried in one hand. So now we're going to get into the technicalities of this Kazeira. When do you have to be concerned that you're not allowed to move a lamp because the part might come up, because it's made up of different parts and it will fall apart and you'll have to rebuild it. So he says, it says Ka te What Reish Lokish says you're allowed to move is one that has grooves. It's made of one piece of metal. But it looks like it's made of different parts. Therefore, if it's a menorah that's made up of different parts, then it would be forbidden to move. And a large one, even if it has grooves in it, would be also to move. Because you might come to move a large one that is made up of different parts. Again, large. Uh, yeah. The question is if you have a small candelabra with grooves. Now, why is there such a distinction? This will make this last. I should have mentioned this at the beginning, but this will make this last piece easier. A large menorah was generally made of different pieces. So, therefore, whether it's made of different pieces or whether it has grooves. By the different things which a person might think are attachments, would be also to move and use around, to move around and use. But a menorah that is uh, small, there, if it has, that's often made of one piece of metal. So obviously, if it's made up of different parts, you're definitely not allowed to move it. But the Makhlokit says, what happens if it has grooves? Will people think, oh, that's a menorah with grooves? Or will they think, no, that's a menorah that's made up of different parts? Okay, but again, the side point is a menorah is different. A menorah, even according to Rabbi Shimon, there's a xair, Excuse me, there's a that you're not allowed to move a menorah. So again, let's how did this? How did we get onto this discussion of a menorah, a candelabra? Because we said that Rabbi Yochanan seemed to hold like Rabbi Shimon. Then we brought a proof that Rabbi Yochanan clearly by the fact that Rabbi Yochanan says a chicken coop is movable. He most likely, at least to fit in with all the opinions, holds like Rebbe Yehuda, that a chicken coop is mutzah. So then we ask, oh, Rebbe Yosef, why, from the story of the menorah that fell on Rebbe Asi's coat and he wouldn't move his coat, you should have known he's following his teacher, Rebbe Yochanan, who holds that it's mutzah. And he says, no, I couldn't know from that story because even if Rebbe Yochanan passed like Rebbe Shimon, he still could not move it because of the lamp. Okay, that's the end of that, Sugiyah. I mentioned earlier, I wanted to touch on a live animals mutza. So, the general rule throughout Shas is that live animals are mutza. Um, So, I think I must have skipped a few lines. Did I? Yeah. Okay, but either way, there's a discussion. If you look at the Tosfos HaKab uh, of Maskin, and he says, He says, why did we only discuss the Efra'ch that was dead inside the chicken coop? We should have discussed, even if there's a, love, little, a little chick that's live in the chicken coop, animals on mukta." So why don't we say that the chicken coop is muktsa because there's a chick in it? Why did we have to say this, that the chicken coop is muktsa because there's a dead chick in it? So he wants to say, he says, because live animals on this little chick is not muktsa because if a child's crying, the father might give it to the child to, to uh, what's it, placate him, to calm him down. Here, yeah, I've got a cute little toy for you to play with. So that would, according to this first opinion in Toslis, which again is a das Yochid, no one's already seems to hold like that, is that this chick that these that live chicks, since they might be given to children as toys, are not considered mukta. It's a big discussion. All the other the, the Toshas carries on and he brings all these proofs that no, all animals are mukta, and that is the general principle, animals are mukta. And it's, therefore it becomes a big discussion regarding pets. Your dog. Your cat, your parrot, all these things. Are they, are they mucksa? Are they not mucksa? Are you allowed to move them or are you allowed to pick them up? I think there's good there's good grounds to say a pet, like especially a smaller pet that's often picked up and played with, like a small dog or something like that, there's good grounds to say it's not mucksa. But uh, that's an interesting discussion to be had. Or pets uh Can Okay, and we'll leave it there for today.